Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, this is Graham. Welcome to a classic big interview. Today, join me. We're going back to season 2015-2016. This is what I had to say about it back then. I'm going to make an admission now, which won't play well in some parts north of the border. But in 1990, during the World Cup semi-final between England and West Germany, when Chris Waddle very nearly chipped Bodo Ilgner in the German goal, but the ball came back off the woodwork. Even as a proud Scot, I so wanted it to go in. At that stage, Chris Waddle to me seemed like Britain's version of Michael Loudrop. The two of them are tall, very big athletic physiques, but they would glide past footballers, A, as if they were on roller skates, and B, as if they had the same low centre of gravity as a Romario or a Pele or a Maradona or a Messi. I thought Waddle was magical to look at, and what some of you who are younger won't know is that when he moved to Marseille, after dazzling at Newcastle, catching my attention there, and then dazzling again at Spurs, as far as I was concerned, there wasn't non-stop Sky television or YouTube internet in order to keep up with the way he was playing. So from intermittent television clips and from the written press, what it appeared to me that he was playing even more brilliantly in France than he had in England, and that he was a prince amongst paupers in the French League. Over the years, we've shared conversations about skills development, about what he does and doesn't think about great footballers, modern footballers. So we knew we had to go and talk to him. And when he welcomed us to his house, going up the stairs to his private room where there are football shirts framed from every year of his long career from famous people from dozens of countries. I also saw piles and piles of records and CDs and a little statuette of Laurel and Hardy at which point I knew we had the same sense of humour. Chris is a born raconteur. We called this the big interview because we wanted to touch on big themes and speak to big personalities. Maybe this was the biggest of the big. It's the longest, and it's that long for a reason. Chris spoke with wit, passion. He had a pinpoint memory of so many incidents in his career. Neil, Martin and I were absolutely agog. It was a joy. Let's see if, at the end of this big interview with Chris Waddle, you feel the same way. I bet you do. 
found out that a lot of the people who share our love of football, you know, are much, much younger than me. Mm. And therefore, they haven't seen all the things that I'm, I'm going to talk about. But as well as Magic Chris, you were known as Magic Chris in France. You did some of the things you've been talking about. I didn't know about signing autographs during a game. But you would make Bugs Bunny ears. Yeah. You, were, you were always full of wit and sparkle. It was the image of somebody enjoying their... For example... I remember the first time I ever saw you play that you really struck me. You were playing on, it looked like the Somme at Fratton Park up front with Keegan oh, yeah, and Gaze yeah, yeah. I think you each scored and you, you scored from, from a yeah. ridiculous yeah, angle yeah. and I went, whoa, there's something I'm going to watch. But when you moved abroad, there wasn't a lot of foreign football on television no. then, which is why when Gazzetta came on, everybody fell in love with Italian football. But we were shown clips on either... Grandstand yeah, or World's, yeah, whatever yeah. it was. And the one that everybody loved was when you'd been at Marseille, not that long, and you're probably your biggest rivals were Bordeaux, but Paris Saint-Germain is a big rival. And you, for anybody who hasn't seen it, Chris takes the ball, there's a nice ball over the top, you take it in your chest, twirl the goalkeeper around, and then back heel the ball into yeah. the goal. You, you and Gaza share wit and humour and enjoyment of life. And I think there's a correlation between that and, and little madcap moments and what you, what you do with the ball. You treat wit and jokes and funny things with the camera the same way as you treat the ball. Mm. It's like, oh, I'll tell you what I could do now. Yeah. What, what, I mean, that moment, what was in your head? Can you remember the, the, what was in your head when you, when you decided to back heel it? I remember we were in a hotel and I had been struggling form-wise. Uh, the heat had got us out. I'd missed pre-season with Tottenham. Um, I went basically to Marseille on a Wednesday. The first game was on a Saturday. So I'd had three days training, I had nanny pre-season. They'd had a month or three weeks, sorry, Marseille. I was well behind, it was boiling. We went to Lyon on the Friday, flew up. Saturday, I thought, well, I was sitting and standing and watch the game. Uh, Bernard Tappy said, you're sub. And I says, I'm not fit, you know, I need some pre-season. They tried to run us that in three days in the heat, which absolutely killed us. I didn't feel great. Uh, half-time was 4-0. Half-time, they put us on. I actually ended up wearing the captain's armband for the last 50 minutes because Papman pulled his hamstring yeah. and they put the armband around me and I couldn't speak a word of French. I had a clue about anything. Anyway, Mick McCarthy was playing for uh, Leon. When Papman used to wear his wife's air hostess handkerchief thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Neckerchief. Neckerchief. And uh, that was his armband. <laughs> so he took it off and it was about this long, you know, it was a good day, massive thing. Papman went, yeah, put that on. So um, I went, what can I do with that? And Mick McCarthy went, I'll wrap it round your neck. So uh, I went, yeah. Anyway, somebody tied the, the band on and I ended up finishing. But, you know, I did all right in that game. It was adrenaline. Then the next game I was sub, came on, did okay. But I was struggling in form. I, I was struggling with fitness. And I just said, give us, give us two, three months to settle in, get fit, and you'll see. Anyway, that week we played Paris Saint-Germain. It was a few games into the season. On the Monday, I moved out of the hotel. you got to think, I had a daughter, one. I had one car. So I used to go to training, we training twice a day then. Mrs. was stuck in the hotel all day, it was boiling up. So it was hard because, you know, communication-wise and things to do. And So I was coming home from training and I was, you know, it was really hard slog. I'm not, you know, and maybe say, oh, shut up, you're in the south of France. And it's, listen, life's People life. don't understand the, you know, the massive difference that that level of fitness yeah. will take away from you or give you, yeah. irrespective of your ability. Life's life. Anyway, that week, the house would look at to rent an ex was actually it was supposed to have been finished two months earlier finished and they said you can move in so we moved in on the Monday all of a sudden I, I felt a foot taller I said right and I remember shutting the door we got in we had the furniture delivered whatever I had and got in 
And I said to him, I said, remember I shut the door and I said, right, it starts now with Marcia Korea. If it doesn't work, can't do anything about it. But from the day it starts, never mind what the previous six games or eight games what has been, it starts now. And on the Friday, we're playing Paris on the TV. A Friday night, live game, and Paris and Marseille detest each other. It's like, you know, because Marseille thinks should be capital. And blah, blah. Anyway, all week to build up this, that and the other. So I thought, right, this is it. I feel great. Um, fitness was there. In my own house. Shut the door away from everybody. And we went um, in the game. The ball came, I beat the offside trap. And um, as I chested it, the goalkeeper, who played many years, I think, with France, top goalkeeper, went to pick it up. And I just got my toe there before him. And as I lifted it over his head, as it came down, I've got it's, it time. I thought, I'm offside, I'm a knot, but you just think putting the net. You know, if they put the flag up there and you think, well, it wasn't meant to be. And as it dropped, I don't know why it went through my head about back heel in it. I just, as I turned, as I flicked, I sort of lost a bit of balance. And as I watched the ball come down, I was at an angle, really, where, yeah, I could have side-footed it, but I just don't know. I was at the angle and I just thought, oh, anyway, I did it and it, it went in. And then from there, that's where my Marseille career went, took off. And that's where I had the confidence, the belief to do things with the football. You know, from there, it just, that's where it rocketed. But that goal, you know, was shown and shown. Weeks and weeks in France after. Every programme showed that goal for weeks and weeks. And that was it. And my confidence was all there. My fitness was there. And then, you know, that week I said to the missus, this is where it starts. This is what Marcel say, the real me. And if it doesn't work out, it'll not be like a lack of trying, a lack of whatever. It'll be, it wasn't meant to be. It was a great time. French football was strong and it was interesting mm. for the characters. You won three straight leagues, mm. which was extraordinary. You're not a young Peter Schmeichel out of European Cup. Yeah, Bromby, yeah. With Bromby. Played against a young Zidane for yeah. Cannes. yeah. He played with Cantona. Eric, yeah, character. Never. You know, people going about Eric and all go, he was a, a really nice guy, you know. He'd come in in the morning, always come in. <laughs> Nine times out of ten would be on a Harley Davidson. Eric was Eric. Big guy, you know. But nice guy. Didn't suffer yeah. fools. And he'd come in, bonjour, ça va, every morning, very polite. And he was in the team, Beckenbauer liked him. It was me, him and uh, Papan. He got injured, he did his knee. And he was out six weeks or something like that, ligament trouble. And by that time, it became me, Papa, and a Biddy Pelly. And we were on fire, the three were. Eric couldn't get back in the team. And Eric was one of them who would think, I'm not sitting here. So he basically said, I want to go, which they did. Eric right, let him go to Nîmes for a million euro, a million quid, whatever, whatever it was. But I used to get all right with him. He was never a problem. Come in, he, not, not the most talkative, trained well, really nice guy. And, uh, you know, to me, he was, a, he was a good player, but I never thought he would be as big as he was when he came to my lead. And the French players, you know, the Marseille lads, and they used to say to me, we could never see Eric being a massive player in France. You know, a good player, but not the heights he reached from Man United. You know, Eric was a bit quiet, a bit reserved. And you could see when people say, he packed in at 30, whatever it was. And I said, yeah, I could see You're not shocked by that. I could see how it do that. No problem, I could see him do that. You made me laugh because when I moved to Barcelona, we decided that we needed a school that would be not Catalan for my young daughter who was moving from London. So we went to a school called Kensington in Pedralba, just up where PK lived and overlooking the camp now. We came in and gradually the people would find out that maybe I, I talked about football or wrote about football. I said, oh, wait, Canton, I was here for a year. Canton's boy. And it was the Harley Davidson. He drove up the hill and the Harley Davidson roared up to the school. Right. And the teacher said to us, uh, when he joined, there's a form, you have to sign the form. So it was name of the child, whatever his son's name was, parent, Eric Cantona, profession, and he sort of stopped. 
scratched his chin and went, sex symbol. <laughs> <laughs> so he was a legend, and all the, all the, all the mummies stayed after taking their, their kids into school just to see Eric roar up on the Harley Davidson. And I, it feels to me as if United are in a stage now where if they signed Slatan, for example, it would be akin to what Cantor yeah. did. It. It's, it's that meeting of a presence, an what? attitude, a talent, and an ego that can explode at a big club oh, if, if the time is right. Easy. You could say that. Listen, like you saw you jumped in the, hit the Palace fan. When he, when he came to England because he got banned in France because he waited in the tunnel and chinned two players. Mm. You know, he hid in the, when they rolled the tunnel thing out, he stood in the gaps. And when they walked in, he jumped out and hit, he got them. So, but that was Eric. And he didn't look at the consequences. You know, he'd say Platini had a clue when he was French national. He never got many caps. But that, type of, but that type of character... We're in, we're in a place now where there's actually a picture of you two playing, isn't there? Yeah, we're, over there. Did I see a picture over of there, yeah. you playing for Chef Wed and yeah, him playing yeah, for United? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, listen, I got him well with Eric. I, I really liked him. He was a really good guy. And, but I could see him packing in a 30. And I think what helped him in England a lot was English fans love a rebel. Mm. You know, they love, a, yeah. they love a jack the lad. And I think Eric was off the cuff. Anything could happen. I.e. the Gaza syndrome. Mm. All these type of things. Uh, anything could happen with Eric. So to them, it was somebody like, you know, reading another story about him. You know, people like Balotelli get more press for what he did off the field than he did on it. Mm-hmm. Where Eric did it for my night, he can't mm-hmm. say he didn't. So he, he got it for the right reasons, but people do like these type of characters who are sort of rule breakers. You know, we've always liked that type, whether it be snooker, football, yeah. any, any type of sport, any type of life. People like them rebellious type players. So when Eric came here, he fitted the bill. Mm. So obviously, we, his football did the talking for him as well, Dom is wrong, but... I could see why people took to him. I don't know what you think of this guy, and I don't think you played with him for very long, but Leo Messi's number one football player, the one who inspired him, as Tommy Hutchinson did you, was Francescoli. Yeah, kind of yeah. ability. Messi talks about Francescoli endlessly. Does he? Yeah, no, it's, he adores him, idolises him. What kind of football talent was he? He's, he's underknown in Britain because yeah. he went back to South America quite quickly. Had a year with a lot him, of yeah. television coverage. Had a year with him at Marseille. You know, a nicer guy. Yeah. Uh, oh, a lovely guy. It was funny because, like, after a game, I'd have a beer, which is English way. And I'd have, I'd have a bottle of beer. And he used to look at me and go, English. And I used to go, yeah, but you have... I used to drink two bottles of Coca-Cola, big bottles, a day. <laughs> and I went, that's worse than that bottle. If I have three beers and you have two, two of them, you're worse off than me. No. He went, everybody in South America drinks Coca-Cola like this. I went, well... I said, I tell you, we couldn't prove it. I said, we did test. I said, people would say, drink the three beers rather than two big two-litre bottles of Coca-Cola. Uh, he spoke decent English. I fell for him because he came in from Paris, racing Paris, he was at, I think, and uh, he came in when we wanted another player to score 15, 20 goals. I was only getting six, seven. Papa was getting 26. Abidi was getting like eight, nine. And we thought, if we got another player who was getting 18, 19, it would help with Marseille, all of a sudden, Enzo turns up. I have no idea Enzo, you know, because I, I, I look at football and study world football. I knew Enzo, he was South American Football of the Year, and we all knew who he was. And he came in, and unfortunately, Enzo, the ball wouldn't go in it. And um, certain games, semi final against Benfica, when we, we lost Champions League. Against Sven Goran Eriksson's Benfica. Yeah, the handball won. We lost at home. At home, we created, I don't know how many chances. We're talking, probably, I'm probably exaggerating, but it felt like 15, 20 on the night. At 2 0 up. Yeah, and. Enzo had about six, seven good chances. And Bernard Tappy, Bernard Tappy, Bernard Tappy, sort of, he's not the guy who's going to put them all in there. So he was a bit, he had a year, basically, and he was gone again. 
but a lovely lad, great, great technician, you know, great football. Again, you know, the South Americans, I love the South Americans because they're like, they remind me of when we grew up as kids. You know, we all lived on council estates. We didn't have any money, realistically. Yeah, we got by, but we didn't have nothing. I never had a car, colour TVs, and football was like um, your passion, and your, it was a way out. And I think the South Americans are like that now. Because mm. uh, I think modern-day footballers are all worried about the image, the car, the house, the money. Then it's football. And I think that's why football's deteriorating badly. Where the South Americans have got that hunger. If, say, the boxer, you know, lives in the slums. All of a sudden he can punch his way out and all of a sudden he's getting millions. You know, you look at the, the Premier League or the football around the world at the minute, you know, you look at people like Sanchez at Arsenal. Hunger, you know, his passion for the game. When you watch him, you know, he's like... It's, everything's about it. You watch Suarez, the passion these guys have got, Messi's Argentinian, and I don't think we've got that as much in Europe anymore. I definitely think our country hasn't. I can imagine going to English kids and saying, hey, we're coming back this afternoon, we're going to do some work training, and they'll all be like, why? You know, I think it's, I want to get me Range Rover outside, I want to get me... You play football, and it's the last thing on your agenda, probably. When we produce a lot of players, what we're talking about, your Glen Oddles, your t- uh, Gaza... All come from council states. Hunger. Football was a passion. You could ask a lot of them lads, what did you earn a week? And I bet you half of them couldn't tell you. Bet you could. I couldn't tell you now what I earned at Tottenham. And I could, your missus could. What I earned at Marseille, over, I couldn't tell you. I just wanted to play football and I knew I was getting rewarded because I had a house and I could buy things. But that was the priority of the football. That was it. One of the th- you know you lived a happy football in life largely. Mm. Football made you happy. You made other people happy. You made the seats slap back mm. at Sheffield Wednesday. But quite a lot of the time now, football makes you angry mm. because in the home countries, particularly, we're not very careful of the ball. No, we're not very intelligent tactically. No. If we get good players, then largely they're not like Frank Lampard, who had basic talent mm. and worked his absolute yeah. socks yeah. off to be the best, to be disciplined. He had the type of hunger, despite coming from a rich background, that you've talked about in Suarez or Alexis. But when you are angry after another England defeat and you say we, we never learn, what, what in your eyes are the solutions? Because we can't introduce mass poverty and put people on, no, on council no. states to give them no. the hunger. No. Therefore, what you can maybe do is do what Spain managed to do with the generation that became Alonso and mm. Xavi mm. and Iniesta and whatever. As well as it making you angry, do you, do you see solutions? No. I think money's took control, and the only way England will ever get back to what I call a proper side and producing proper players again will be if the money dries up and it goes to a different country. Let them have all the rights and whatever, and let us make and work with the tools we've got rather than just saying... I ain't got time for him to be developed. I ain't got time for him to develop. I'll just go and buy somebody like that and it's nothing to spend. I mean, foreign clubs must look at England and think, yeah, let him go there because he might not play in the Premier League very well because it's a physical league and it's a fast league. It's not suit that type of player. We'll get him back in a year and probably for a quarter of what we've sold him. Other countries must laugh and put to England, there's that much money. They must just think, we're not bothered. No disrespect, but Di Maria, they've lost £14 million in a year. If you were in any industry, you'd be sacked, you'd close down. Mm-hmm. But it's like, well, it didn't work out. £14 million. Pound. So it's like, well, it doesn't matter because we've got all this money shipping in every week. So we don't care, basically. And I, I just look and think, 
when I say to Newcastle, I'm going off hand here, off cuff. I'm going, I'd say we had 38, 40 pros. Mm-hmm. Right? Most clubs today will be lucky if they've got 20. Where your class is first team players. So all them ones where they'd say, give them two years. Certain clubs still do it, i.e. crews. Certain clubs will say, that kid's 18, there's a three or four year contract. Because at 22, I think he's going to be a player. We will go, right, most clubs, this will be in England, any division, right, what about him? Three, four years will be a player, I think. Good chance of being a top, can't wait four years for him and sell him. Somebody will take him up, might go abroad, might go to non-league, might drift, might pack up. So the days have gone of saying, let's work with these kids and educate them and work with young players. And we will get the rewards as a crew with people have over the years who've picked up the players from Man United, Man City, around the Lancashire area who said, I haven't got time to wait. Daniel Grady or whoever I went, I can't wait. And they get the rewards. And now clubs, they want success tomorrow. They want a player to walk in off the, even if you're non-league now, they want you to walk off the non-league pitch into the first team. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to be, if you say I've got a kid on non-league, in three years' time, we'll have a player here. Mm-hmm. Not buying them. Buying them in three years' time. So we don't work anymore. Coaching skills, I don't blame every coach. I've never been a fan of coaching schools. I've never been a fan of badges. Don't say it. You know the game or you don't. They all go in one door and they all come out the same, with the same tick and the same methods of what they've done. Now, yes, it is a results business, football. But English football in general is we don't have time to coach them. The desire, as I said, is not there. I don't think there's a passion. I think it's 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, you're finding hunger. I think it's 13, 14, they talk about what I could get, mm-hmm. what I could have. And you think you'll get that. Stick in do, it. Do the proper things well and the other stuff will and come. And coaching now is all about based on two-touch football. Now, listen, Spain are phenomenal at what they've done. And I, I'm a big fan of... People say it's boring. I can't see how it's boring. I think it's fantastic. And I love the way Barcelona play. What Barcelona has done is they've brought this, the, the game to a level of back four. Um, your midfield guys play two-touch football in a way. And then you say... It reminds a bit as Marseille, to be fair, where we had a four, we had a three sometimes, but we played a four. All had comfortable on the ball. The midfield lads could graft Deschamps, Deschamps yeah. could graft, could play two-touch football. And then it was basically, you get it to Messi, you get it to Waddle, you get it to Biddy Pelle, you get it to Neymar. You've got Pac-Man who put the ball in it. It's not rocket science, the formula it works. And if you look at Barcelona now, Messi, uh, Neymar, Suarez, front three win your football matches. These ones organised move the ball, get the ball back, move the ball, get the ball, i.e. to him first, or him second, and then him, whatever. But get the ball to them three, and we will win football matches. It's not rocket science, but what teams have done is they've copied it, which is great, in a way, but you watch teams now pass the ball for passing's sake. Mm-hmm. Now, to me, I watch a lot of teams in the Premier League now to get it, and they go, pff, 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 pass, 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 pass. And then you think... What, what actually are these trying to achieve here? Who are they going to get the ball to? Who's going to produce that magic, right? Now, if you look at the best sides in the world, who you'll probably say at the minute are oh, Barcelona, Real Madrid, stick out always. So what you're looking at is to say, we need to find and coach. So if you're training every day with kids and whatever, and you're doing two-touch football, relentless. How do you get a player to dribble past somebody? If, you're too, if I was doing two-touch football every day of my life, I would then start thinking... I don't, I don't dribble anymore because I don't have to. I just get it and I move it to him and then he moves it to him. But you've got to have a player or two, or preferably three, who can do the unexpected. We've stopped coaching players. 
Iglenoro is off the cuff, could just to make something happen like that. Gaza, pick the ball up, drive at people, bump, bump, see him, past him, past the next one. And I remember playing with, all, playing with players, and every club had three, four players who could do something yeah. on the ball. Yeah. Now you look, and it's basically the right back and the left-sided midfield player are the same. They control it and they pass the ball. They control it and they pass the ball. They control it and they pass the ball. Then you got the centre-forward, you think, he gets a hold of it and he lays it back. People rave about anybody now. I'd say it would be a big star, or could be a big star, Mares at Leicester. Now, if they can keep a hold of him, they've done well. Because mm-hmm. this guy, he's 23, 22, 23, before, whatever. He's, he's got better. He's got more, he's settled more in English football now. He's more at home. He's got he's stronger. He's whatever. He understands the game a lot more. Now, you put him in Barcelona's team, he wouldn't know how to play. Because what he'll do is they'll get the ball to him and he'll get one-on-one one and he'll go, wait, watch this. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the season, he'll be... Somebody will want him. Oh, and it'll be big bucks. Right. But right, so, so why are we not producing players who are worth... Absolutely, millions, and wins your football matches. Why? Why is it? It's all about tilted football, where you say, "I don't want to." T-. Basically, what it's saying is, take the risk out of football, right? So you take the risk. Now you do get a player who can do something, and you think you'll take him off after sixty minutes, or they'll bring him on for twenty-five minutes. But the fans go to football matches to say, "I want to watch this." deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Last season, Barcelona played Paris Saint-Germain. They found them really difficult opponents. They lost in Parc de France. Mm. And they came to the knockout stages. Paris Saint-Germain were pressing very high. Mm. And Iniesta got the ball about 20 feet outside his own box. And he swivelled 
got to it for swivelled, knocked the ball on, the guy did what you were talking about, the next one, who I think was Verratti, nearly got there, and he has to nick it past him, got past another one, sent in a wonderful pass, so he's gone more than three mm-hmm. quarters of the length of the pitch now to Neymar, and Neymar scores, and I interviewed him afterwards, and he's like, yeah, it's... He couldn't describe as well as you do about your art, but he said it's a split-second thing. It's innate. You learn how to do it, you do it. He said all, all in your mind all the time is, is the knowledge of the risk. Mm. If I get caught in that first moment, caught without a structure, they'll probably score. Mm. If they score or not, I'll look bad. And he said, no, I accept that risk. That, and I think there's a bravery in that. Of course it is. That isn't about physical bravery. It's mental. It's that confidence about doing things. But it's without that, Football's barely worth it. I watch, listen, I watch game after game. I mean, I watched Arsenal Saturday at Newcastle and Arsenal are, on the day, probably our best football team on the day. I think City's up there now, to be honest. But anyway, but Arsenal's, one well, them saves, yeah, they all look comfortable and they all move the ball. But they played in front of Newcastle and they didn't have one player who could open the door. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Cazola, makes the ball tick. Fantastic footballer. Yeah. Got a little bit of a trick on it. He ain't a foot. And I like him, he's a really good player. But, you know, he's moving the ball. He's giving balls to players where he's got one-on-one. And you think, Oxlade-Chamberlain, one-on-one, go on. Check back. Comes back to Ramsey. Goes out the other side. Comes back. Goes back. And I'm thinking, yeah, it's good to watch and it's patient. And it's, you know, they're not, it's not route one and it's not percentage. But you've got to have a player who can open a door or two. People keep saying, where do you get them? There's, there's got to be talent out there. You know, where, where did all we come from? And where did, you know, them players I've mentioned? The Chris Waddles haven't stopped being born but in that patience development equation that you were talking about, people hadn't been patient and knew. You know, gave up yeah. and you went and played yeah. as a goalkeeper. Yeah. And Cox went, as much as bad as it was, Arthur Cox, I'm not letting this one go. Mm. He didn't tell you that. Yeah. Now, there's a guy like you somewhere. There's millions of them. Huh? There's loads. There's loads. Listen, there's I mean, loads. not that many, but there are. There. Yeah, but there's, there's players out there. And it's, but what happens is clubs take kids in now at five and six. And if you watch them say, they'll say, pass the ball, all the shot, pass the ball, pass the ball. What I should say is, you're playing the playground. 28 aside, there was no bibs, no cones. If you didn't shout, you didn't get it. And a lot of kids would shout even though they weren't on your team. And you'd give it to them, you'd think. You'd, <laughs> but that was growing up, and that was all part of football. You'd go on the backfields, and you'd play one kid standing goal. You'd play uh, knockouts. And you'd play, in, in games, it was two years, you'd play crossbars. Yeah. You'd play, I can drive around here now, or I can drive around Sheffield. You don't see a kid on a football pitch. Yeah. Unless it's structured where there's a bib, mm. there's a cones, it's structured, a bloke going... <laughs> we were off totally off-the-cuff footballers. You go in my neighbourhood now, Boston, it's representative of the whole of Spain. Every street corner, there's this multi-purpose basketball, five or seven, it's packed all the time. Little kids running around with a football, smaller, heavier, you can't kick it yeah. long, but they still go out, and whether they're any good or not, they're out there, banging a the ball against the wall, dribbling past somebody. We had it all the time. We'd and it's, it's not here now. Sunday morning, we'd uh, play Sunday morning. But when I was young, young, we used to watch the, the local one, which was like, a big match, was London. We had uh, shoot, time tees. We'd watch that, have your dinner, watch that, and then everybody would be out on the backfield, okay. and it'd be a, a normal football pitch, size football pitch, and you'd say, must have been 20 other side. And you'd get kicked and pushed, and there'd be kids, blokes playing, there'd be kids at 10 playing. But everybody played, and it was just that is it. And you dribbled past, you had to dribble past like 14 players to score, you know. But that was it, and um, that's how we grew up. It was all talk. we didn't have a bloke going, stop. Nobody, we had nobody, so there must have been a method. And you're not telling me when I go on about South America before in the streets of South America, all the facilities or what they've got, there's blokes actually going, stop, 
they play how we played growing up. Yeah. The must. We, we've ended a little bit nihilistic because we're kind of saying football in this country is on a slippery slope and it doesn't seem to be intent of arresting that slope. So let me start by saying that um, talking to you has been pretty much as good as watching you mm. in your day. That we're sitting in front of banks and banks of fantastic football shirts and I'll ask the most obvious and stupid question of the morning so far so you can get back to your life. It's been a happy football life for you. Oh. Football's been good to you. Football's, a, football's great, isn't it? Listen, I'd love to have got in it earlier, 16, like everybody else. I didn't. But I, looking back, I would never swap how I got became a professional footballer. Give us great grounding, working in a factory for two and a half years. I was lucky. I was at the right age. There was a hunger. There was always a football game going on. I always got to play football. I played football seven days a week. Great. Never got coached till I was a pro. Newcastle, obviously, great. No, listen, I would never change what I've had. And people say you've had bad moments. Yeah, yeah, the penalty miss. Or, uh, we lost the Champions League away at Marseille, which we should have won it with the team we had. And I think it would have been good for football if we'd won it. There's downsides, but listen, I don't know if football has never had a downside. But I always say the same thing. that I've really enjoyed football. And I was great that I'm a footballer. And I just wish, as a country, we could get that hunger back as a country. You know, people say when you think England winning in a tournament, I don't, I, I don't think I'll say that. It's a really depressing thought. Well, it is. The size of the country and the amount of money we've got, how we can't get it right. When you see, you know, no disrespect, but smaller countries with less finance oh. putting sides together, because it goes back to what I keep saying. They work the right way. They preach the right way. They get players in the right way. You know, when I was at Marseille, when I, quick thing, when I look back at Marseille, when we trained, me and Abidi Pellier, whatever sessions we did, Game-wise, possession-wise, me and him were always all in. And they said, we don't ever want to stop you doing what you do. So you don't need to... Yeah, you may do things in one to two touch, which you do. But we don't want... We want you to have that freedom to do what Saturday night you're going to do, hopefully, for one a pitch. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, little things like that, I always look at and think, you know, in England, I'll go and watch. The centre-half will have two touch in training sessions. The centre-forward will have two touch. The wing will have two touch. So everybody's playing two-two. You're not telling me. You identify players. But what you do in training in the week, you try and put into practice on the Saturday. But if you're playing two-two football Monday to Friday, you will not be dribbling and having ten touches on the ball on a Saturday. Me personally, I'd, I'd kick all the academies out and you can't start your 14. And kids should just play with the mates, school football, get it back. Get back to what, what we used to produce. And when people say it doesn't work, does it not work? Look at the quality players we've produced. Up to the you know eighties, ninety. I'm on about technical players, and that's the key I'm on about. We need to produce yeah. athletes. Yeah, technical what we do. players. That's Te- all we've got. Just about right. So we need to produce technical players, and until we go back to a system of saying, how did we produce technical players? Leave them alone. Give them little pointers. You don't train the same. If you've got a player with open doors, you don't say it's all touch. You don't know about Barcelona before Xavi, Iniesta, Messi. Messi would have been a winger. And probably being used in certain games. Yeah. Xavi uh, and Iniesta would have been too little, sorry. And that sums up English football to me. Well, when um, I rise to my natural role, which would be some sort of leader of an independent, monarchy free country, you'll be appointed my, <laughs> my Minister uh, of Sport. Listen, it, it's going to take a long time. But, um, but, but without people like you saying these things, because there's so many deaf out there who are either stupid, blind, or deaf. Because these things that you've explained, You've explained them passionately and clearly. 
So what the fucking hell are people doing out there that is getting things? It's more difficult to get it as wrong as people are getting it now. I think and it is to listen to what you've just been saying. I think the problem, the big problem is, right, is one word, money. Mm. Too much. In the world of football, we've got too much. And it sounds stupid, doesn't it? But we have. So we need another country, i.e. where Italy dominated for years. They face the consequences. But what works in Italy's favour is they've got a lot of Italians playing. When their squad's named, there's a lot of players to pick from. Yeah. Our league's full of foreign footballers, right? It's not their fault. We bring them in. We pay the money. We, that's where they want to be. But realistically, if you sat down with all the foreign players in this country and said, what league would you love to play in? It's the same wage. I would go 95, 99% would say not England. But there's vast wealth here, so I'm going to come, so my we, career short, I'm going to take the money. We need to change, which you can't do, I know. We'd, we'd love to change, we can go back to three, foreign, four foreign players in the team. And it makes you work with the players you've got and you coach and you get young players developing and you get them right. You find players. It's too easy now to disregard players and go, oh, as a kid in 40 caps, Bosman, get him in. It's too easy because they've got the money. Because what will happen is there'll be an, uh, a complete disaster of the money will dry up one day and people say, no, it will. And when it does, we'll be sitting there and as we always do as a country, after every disaster, we make a rule. Whether it be the stadiums all seated as a disaster first. Anything that happens in this country, we make a decision after it. Instead of acting now, we'll not. We'll wait, the money will run out and we'll go, what we're going to do? Who saw this coming? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, since I would say since I'm not going to go with Sky, the Premier League formed and that's the way the game's gone. But since '92, our game's deteriorated. National team, badly. Going to give you your life back now. You've been exceptional to speak to. You've been exceptionally generous. I'm going to ask you, which I've only done once before, whether sometime in the long distant future we can come back and do the rest of this because we missed a lot of Spurs mm. we missed a lot of Sheffield Wednesday yeah. we missed Tommy Burns not being able to persuade you to move to Glasgow that's right we, what Neil calls the glory years at Brockville with Falkirk we've missed a lot of a life well spent you're a football genius a still contend England Zidane it's been a privilege and a pleasure sure. even beyond what we expected pleasure Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 